I'd like to read with you a few words from the Sefer Chobot HaLevavot. He says, Habet Yedidi. He says, my friend, look. It's nice that he calls us his friend. It's nice to be friends with the Chobot HaLevavot. You should know that when a Jew reads a Sefer, they don't read the information. When we learn a book, we spend time with the author. It's a very big difference. If you open a history book, nobody knows who wrote it. Even the teachers know who wrote it. But when we learn our Torah, we become friends with the people that we learn with. Those who spend time learning Rashi become Yedidim with Rashi. They become friends. You know, at the end of the day, what is the purpose of a friend? A friend is someone who besides keeping us company, they make our lives richer. They make our lives more fruitful and full of happiness. I could tell you there is no better friends that we could find than Rashi and the Rambam and the Havot Levavot and Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfon and Abaye and Rava and all these great people that have left for us their great work of thinking of their ideas and understanding of life in so many different ways. When you read a book, it's worthwhile to think that way. When you read a book, open up the book and think, who is this person? When a person spends time, not with the words, but with the person writing it, it's a different experience. If you're learning Gemara and you look at that Gemara that way, you feel like you're sitting in the Bet Midrash with all these people and you literally are in discussion with them. When you learn Torah, if we take it to the next level, it's so much greater of an experience when you learn Torah and you are imagining that you're sitting literally on the table with the creator of the world who is sharing with, with you his thoughts. He's sharing with you his thoughts about history. He's telling you what he thinks is a great thing that happened and that was terrible. He's sharing with you ideas and advice for your life and others around you. It's so different when you open the Torah and you read what it says or you imagine that you are in the audience of the creator of the world who is discussing it with you. It's a different experience. That's not what I came to tell you today, but that's one of the beautiful things that come out of these words. Habet yedidi. My friend. We should all be friends with people like the Havot Levavot, and we have those opportunities. Like I said, if you don't learn, start learning. If you're learning, it's not enough to read the words. 
It's so important to get engaged with the personality that is teaching you. For example, I feel personally very close friend of Raji. I love a shalom. Because I take a pasuk and I look at Rashi and I try to understand what he was thinking. What is he trying to tell me? Where is he coming from? What was his question? After a half hour, there's a real friendship here. And it is that way in reality. I'm not trying to give you something in Shemaim. It's real. When you connect to the author of the words, it's a different experience. Maybe, maybe, this can be hinted to in the Mishnah in Perkei Avot. It says in Perkei Avot, Ukne lecha haver. You should acquire for yourself a friend. Of course, literally it means have good friends. But also it means, Ukne lecha haver. Maybe it means to buy books. Ukne lecha, buy sfarim, buy sfarim of great people that you can have in your library and spend time with them. Imagine that is the experience of reading books from great people that preceded us. We're spending time with them. If you read biographies of great people, you're definitely spending time with them. You're looking at life the way they saw it. You're experiencing their difficulties and great moments. It's a worthwhile endeavor. Like I said, to change a little bit of, sometimes a little small change in the lens can make you see a lot better. Sometimes just a 0.50 could change everything. That little change in thought can make a big difference when a person is learning. Anyway, that's not today's subject. Habet Yedidi. He says, my friend, look. Kama mufle hu He says, how amazing is your Yetzer Hara. He's been called a lot of different descriptions. Now he's being called amazing. What is he amazing about? He says, Hare, kol oyev sheyesh lecha, any enemy that you have in life, im ata menatseach oto, if you beat him, mispar pe'amim, a number of times, hu ozev he leaves you. She gives up. You beat him up once, you beat him up twice, you beat him up ten times, it's over. Not only does he stop fighting with you, he doesn't even think to even try to go ahead and fight with you again. Which means he's totally given up. He moves on to another person. But our Yetzer Hara isn't like that. Even if you beat him hundreds of times, he doesn't say, I give up. And this is what today's class is about. On the following few words. Ela mamshikh. So I would have thought mamshikh means he's going to continue. I would think the next words that are coming are mamshikh to fight with you. He doesn't say that. 
Ela mamshich, he continues. Le'erov, the word le'erov in Hebrew is ma'arav, is someone who sits down in ambush. Ambush is someone who's hiding behind trees or behind something, and they're waiting for someone to pass so that they can ambush them. Mamshich le'erov, he is waiting in ambush for you. What is he waiting for? Lesha'at kosher. He's waiting for that moment. There is a great moment that he's waiting for where he will come all over you. Lenatseyah otcha. He's there. He wants that moment to beat you. Ad mamash. And his kavana is your destruction till your last day. What is, what is he talking about? What does this mean in real life? When he describes our Yetzer Hara, we all have that power inside of us. We all have those feelings inside of us to want something so much bigger than we are. And then we have that other side of us that doesn't really want us to. That's what we call the Yetzer Hara. What does that mean? That the Yetzahara is waiting until the moment. Which moment exactly is he waiting for? And why doesn't he just fight us? Why does he have to wait in ambush? And by the way, this is not something the Havot Halavot made up. It's a pasuk in the Torah. It says, La Petah. The word Petah means opening. Hatat. Robets, which means that sin or Yetzirah is waiting by the door. Why does he wait by the door? Why can't he wait inside? Why? What's the peta for? So let me tell you about a reality in life that I'm sure it's no hidush to anybody here, but sometimes when you bring it from a different perspective, it becomes a hidush. The Yetzirah waits for our vulnerable moments. In life, we have moments that make us vulnerable. How difficult could these moments become in our lives? they can become the source of all destruction. In fact, in fact, if we would take a marriage that is, let's say as an example, a marriage that is a disaster. From A to Z, disaster. You sit down with the couple and you hear what's going on and you cannot believe how these people ever got married. It's a disaster on every level imaginable. You cannot believe what they said to each other. You cannot believe what they, what they think about each other. You, have, you cannot believe this for real. It's complete destruction. When you look at it at the end of the line, it looks so horrible. But we're learning here that life doesn't begin with destruction. 
destruction begins with a petah. A petah means there was a moment when the person was vulnerable. For example, after that meeting, if someone would give you a, a footage of the people's lives and you kept going back and back and back and back, you would go back and you would realize, wait, these people actually got along. They actually loved each other. It was actually awesome. So what happened? What happened is they'll show you on a Tuesday morning, there was some difficulty in something in their life. It was a moment where they were vulnerable and one of them said something really nasty. And the other one maybe said something nastier. And then they'll show you the footage that this was the beginning. The Havot Halavavot says that life destruction doesn't happen one day you wake up and your life is in shambles. Whether it's relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's children with their parents or vice versa, whether it's a person's spirituality, a person doesn't wake up one morning and it's a disaster unless they know nothing. I'm not talking about that. He's talking about people who actually grew up and have spirituality to them. That's what he's talking about. And one day he's telling you, you can wake up and it's a disaster. You're so disconnected. He's talking about people who are troubled, troubled in gambling, in alcohol, in drugs, troubled in depression, troubled in many areas of their life. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden your life is in shambles. It doesn't work like that. That's not the way the Yetzir Hara operates. He can't operate that way because nobody would allow an enemy to destroy their life overnight. We would automatically fight back and make sure he doesn't have that capability. La petah hatat robet. La petah means the way Hashem created the Yetzirah is that he waits. Robet means he sits by some entry point that you let him in. His goal is not the petah. His goal is to destroy the person. All the way. His goal isn't for you to have an argument with your spouse. His goal is to destroy the marriage. But it never begins with destroying the marriage. It always begins in a vulnerable moment. It's called Sha'ata Kosher. He waits for that moment when you're vulnerable and that's when he comes in to attack and he's just by the petah, you let him in that petah, and then fast forward a year, two, three years, four years, and you cannot believe where you ended up. Clearly the Havot Halevavot says that all disaster in a person's life, the drug addict, 
and everything else, relationships, spiritual disaster, began with a vulnerable moment. Not all vulnerable moments become a disaster, but every disaster came from a vulnerable moment. La petah hatat robets. And if you ask me like what? What kind of vulnerable moments are we talking about? They're all different types. Some of them are based on the moment. Like a person who's hungry. A fast day is not a great day. You got to be super careful when you're hungry. When you're hungry, you could do things and say things that aren't good for you. And like I said, it's not the end of the world what you're going to say on that day. But it will be the end of the world, perhaps, where that takes you. When you're very angry at your son or at your daughter, you cannot believe what they said. You cannot believe what they did. You are boiling. You have to know that is a moment. You are vulnerable. You could destroy the future relationship of your family at this moment. You'll never feel it at this moment. The worst that could happen is it'll be a discussion. It will be a fight. We close the door on each other. And the next morning we woke up. That's what you think. But in reality, you've opened the door to something that can be destructive. Be very careful when you're angry at someone that you love. Not to fall in that moment. A person who's tired is a moment to be careful from. A person got bad news, Lalinum. A person is overwhelmed, stressed. They have so many things on their head. They can't manage everything. A person who feels rejected, no matter what the age, the 16 year old who feels rejected. Because that night, somebody didn't call. That is a moment that could destroy their life. How many people's lives that became drug addicts happened with that moment? The moment where they felt alone. They felt like nobody cares. And they got a phone call from a friend from four years before. They made that decision that once. That's a vulnerable moment that could last a lifetime. Vacation time is a vulnerable moment. Why is vacation time a vulnerable moment? I'm not talking a vacation time of a husband and wife that go for a few days of vacation. But a vacation time for young people is a vulnerable moment for a very simple reason. 
When a person goes away, they feel like they're away. Away from reality. Their home is not here. Their shul is not here. Their friends aren't here. They just are gone. They're in a different world. And in that world, they feel like everything has changed. The rules have changed for one week. A mother and father who don't know this Havot Alevavot will say, what's the big deal? It's only a week. I mean, we have them for 52 weeks. One week we go on vacation. What's the big deal? Let me tell you something and take this to heart. Most, most young people in our community that have gotten in trouble in their life started on a vacation. But it's only a week. Yeah, that was the petah. Things they would never have thought to do, but during vacation became so much easier. They're vulnerable during that time. A person who learns this havot alevavot understands better how to make sure their children are not in those positions. Because you make up, wake up one day 20 years later and say, what happened to my family? What happened to my son? What happened to my daughter? Let me show you the footage. You go back and you say, well, you know, it wasn't always that way. But look what happened. Look where you put him. Look where you put her. You put her in not in a good place. And look at the petah. Look at the opening and where it led to. A person who's traveling away from home is a vulnerable moment. A man who's away on business for weeks is a vulnerable moment. A person, a person who's frustrated because they're not getting what they want in whatever way, whether it's physical, emotional, or whatever way, a person who's frustrated is vulnerable. They can make some very difficult decisions. Social pressures, obvious. And then there are all different ages where a person has these moments. Obviously, adolescents, young adults, teenagers, they are very much at risk in this area because they have a lot of questions in their life. Who they are, who their friends are. Are they independent? Are they really not independent? They're fighting. They have ups and downs. A person who lost their job or lost their business. A person who's having relationship issues. health issues, and so much more. Again, the rule we just learned is that the disaster of life doesn't begin with a disaster. It begins with a peta. La peta hatat rovets. That is the way of the Yetzer Hara. He doesn't care if you beat him a thousand times. He is waiting for that moment. He doesn't care how great your marriage is. He's waiting for that bad day that both of you are not in the mood.
and He comes in to help you do what you don't want to do. We see this throughout the Torah. Throughout the Torah. Cain and Hevel. In the first thing I brought in Bereshit. Cain and Hevel. He is a man. Cain, you have to know, was a great man. He, before his brother Hevel, thought he was in pain. How he can repay the creator of the world? What can he do? What can he give? He felt so much appreciation for the kindness of the Creator. And then only a short time later, he killed the son of the Creator. Could you imagine going from, I don't know how to repay you, I don't know what I can do for you, and then killing your son? How, how, did, how did that happen? How does someone go from being so grateful to being so ungrateful? The answer is that there was a moment he felt really down. He was really depressed. Understandably so. He brought a sacrifice. God says, I'm not accepting your sacrifice. I'm accepting your brothers. He felt rejected. We could all appreciate that. We've been rejected before. You wanted to go out with somebody. They said no. You felt rejected. You felt terrible. You called for a second date. They said, I'm sorry. You felt rejected. Terrible feeling. Just thinking of the feeling before it even happens is terrible. Here's a man who felt rejected. Well, guess what? In life, when you feel rejected, know you're in a danger zone much bigger than the rejection. When you're in pain, the danger is bigger than the pain. Whatever your situation is, that you're struggling with, just remember, there's something much bigger than what you're experiencing. Be careful. It's bad enough that you feel rejected. Don't translate it into something much worse. That's what Cain did. He fell at that moment. This great man who was super, super grateful to the Creator at a time of feeling the rejection made a terrible decision. La peta hatat rovets. The Yetzirah told him, bring a korban. Don't worry, you're doing great. Go, go ahead. You're, you're awesome. Go, go pray. Go do mitzvot. Go give charity. Go ahead, do it. You're doing great. But he's waiting. He's waiting for that moment. We're going to read in a few weeks about the sin of the golden calf. Is it fathomable? How, how is it possible that people who just witnessed the great miracles in Egypt that crossed the sea, that saw and heard God and Har Sinai, and 40 days later, they're making a golden calf. How is that possible? What kind of person do you have to be to go from such elevation to such a low level? How could it be? The Torah tells us how it could be. Because they got scared, which is normal. They thought Moshe Rabbeinu was coming down. He didn't come down. They miscalculated. They didn't know that. Normal. In life, sometimes we miscalculate. We think something is going to happen. It doesn't happen. We get disappointed. We get scared. They got scared. They started to see images. Rashi says that the Satan showed them some image of Moshe Rabbeinu that was being carried in a coffin 
I don't know what they saw. They saw a cloud. They saw something. Whatever it is, bottom line is in life, sometimes you are in position where you see things and it's scary and you don't know what to do and you feel helpless. Everybody could understand what they felt like. They're in a desert. They have no leader. The man's supposed to come back 40 days later. He's the one that took them out. He's the one they go to. And he's not there. They panic. Nobody could blame them for their feelings. Everybody in this world, everyone in this room has had moments of panic where you don't know what's going to be. God forbid you're in an amusement park. You lost your son. You lost your daughter. You're panicking. It happens in every single way or form. There are life situations where we panic. We can't take that away. That's not the problem. But the problem is that they didn't know the Havot HaLevavot or they didn't know it well enough. They didn't come to this class or maybe they, didn't, or maybe they forgot about it. They didn't realize that this moment right now is a very dangerous moment because you make decisions during this time, it can be disastrous. It's not so much that we're worried about you because you're panicking, but we're worried how you're going to handle it and what decisions you're going to make. The best thing to have done is to wait till your panic goes down, not to make decisions in that moment. And again, as an example for us, we know it was one of the biggest tragedies in our history. The same story with the spies, with the Miraglim. Torah tells us here, I brought, they told Moshe Rabbeinu we felt like grasshoppers. They were scared. Who could blame them? They went into a country that was fortified, powerful people, giants were there, armies, and they're coming out of Egypt, this nation that has no army, they have no protection on their own. They don't have fortified cities, they don't have generals, they don't have training. Who could blame them for feeling small? Who can blame them for feeling scared? Yes, Hashem is with us, yes. But at the end of the day, it's scary. That's not so much the issue. The issue is that they came back and right away they took bait. They took the bait of the Yetzirah. He took that moment. Remember, you're talking about not regular people. They're talking about Kulam Anashim. These were the chosen, the top 12 people in the Jewish nation of the time. They were chosen to go on this mission. These were not regular guys they sent. In fact, Yehoshua Binun which we know followed Moshe Rabbeinu as the leader, was not even the top one. He's list, they're listed in order. He's not the first one. These are great people. But this is talking to even great people because when you're vulnerable, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be kind, the great kind. You could be the Jewish people in Har Sinai. You could be the greatest people in the Jewish nation. But when you come back and you're feeling scared and you're nervous and you don't take a break and you don't wait for that to pass, you're letting the Yetzirah go into the petah. You're opening the door for him. You have no idea where that's going. And look where it went. They started talking where they should have kept quiet. They should have slept on it. 
it says, they went to cry that night. You know what the complaint was about them? Go to sleep. Right now, you don't feel good. Right now, you're scared. Right now, you're, you're, go to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Let's think about this. They couldn't control themselves. In that moment, they continued on and one thing led to the other and disaster. Hurban, the destruction of our people for so many thousands of years. These words of the Havota Levavot, I just want you to appreciate what we're learning today. We're learning something today that perhaps would have changed the lives, not perhaps, for sure, would have changed the lives of every individual that you feel is troubled, whether it's in their marriage, with their children, with themselves, spirituality. Anybody troubled, if they would have known this when they became bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, they would have been a different person. Obviously, it's not enough to know it. You have to live by it. But first, you have to know it. That's the first step. So powerful are these words that the destruction of a human being happens by the petah. And the petah happens b'sha'ata kosher. It happens at that moment. There's that moment that he's waiting for. Hazal tell us, be careful. Shabbat afternoon. Shabbat afternoon, people are preparing. You know, it used to be really people were preparing. Today, people also prepare. I don't want to take that away from us. But in those days, they prepared a lot more. They were cooking. They were shechting. They were cleaning. They were doing. Till they get to Shabbat, they have to make it before the, the long clock rings. As I'll say, be careful when you go home Friday afternoon. Be careful. It's a very rough time. Don't get into conversations now. Don't, don't, don't say what you're not so happy about. Don't, don't do it Friday afternoon. It's a very difficult time. It's a vulnerable time. Don't, don't allow things into the petah at this time. And there are many things like that. There are many moments like that. I mentioned a few, but there are many more. Look what the Torah tells us about Amalek. Amalek is the, we'll call him the symbol of evil. Symbol of evil he is, but ignorant he is not. And he understands where and how to be able to bring down our people. Look what the Pasuk says in Parashat Kitetze on the bottom of the page. It says, Zachor Remember it Asher Asalecha Amalek. Remember what Amalek did to you. Baderech. It was on the road. When you left Egypt. That's the intro. Now the next Pasuk says a little more detail. So what did he do to us? What can he do to us? Asher Karecha Baderech. Says Rashi, Allah Shalom, Lashon Mikre. It was a surprise. You know, in life, when things are predictable and they happen as they're supposed to happen, things are usually calmer. But when something happens out of the ordinary, God forbid someone gets hurt, something happens, a person is vulnerable. When things happen, Mikre, things that you didn't expect happen, 
It's a very dangerous time. Look what Amalek did. Asher karecha baderech. A surprise attack. Where? On the road. We were traveling. When a person is traveling, it's a very sensitive time. Rashi says, He went after the people who were weak. He knew the time when you guys were exhausted. He found all the reason for those for that difficult moment. He surprised us on the road. He went after the people who were struggling spiritually. And we were weak, tired, and exhausted. That's when Amalek has success. Look at the Midrash Zuta on the next page. Hazal tell us that Naomi, when she was going back to Eres Israel, she had her two daughter-in-laws who lost their husband, Ruth and Orpah. They both went and they both wanted to be with her. And she kept pushing them away, sending them back to where they came from. And they held on tight until finally Orpah, Orpah couldn't hold on anymore and she went back to her country while Ruth stayed on. And Hazal tells us that that night Orpah sank to the lowest of the low. And the obvious question, how could it be that someone who was so ready to sacrifice her life, gave up her palace and wealth to be with Naomi, to go to Eres Israel, and now she went to, bo- to the bottom? So again, it's a moment. You know how it feels when you, you want to, you're, you're growing and you're growing and you're growing and you have a friend with you and you're growing together and then all of a sudden your friend just shoots up and you just don't make it. For some reason you fall. You can't energize yourself to reach where you wanted to go and your friend is there. Well, that's what happened with Naomi, with Ruth and Orpah. Ruth kept going. She reached where she wanted and Orpah also wanted. But she didn't make it and she felt terrible. That was a vulnerable moment right there. Feeling down. You know, when a person does something terrible, worse than the terrible is feeling worse about it. Worse than the Avera itself is feeling guilty and feeling horrible about it and feeling like you're worthless. That feeling is worse than the sin itself. And that's what Orpah had. Orpah had that terrible feeling. And that feeling brought about a terrible ending for her. Look, what do you take out of this class? What's the bottom line? So the bottom line is, there's two bottom lines. Bottom line is, don't put yourself in vulnerable positions. You're a smarter parent now than you were an hour ago. Do not put your family in a position where they're going to be vulnerable. Don't say it's only a minute. All disaster started with a minute. Remember that. It's not disaster that happens 
all together. All problems happened in a moment. So be smarter about where you put your children. Think about who they should spend time with and who they shouldn't. Make sure they're in the right place. Make sure they're busy. A young person who isn't busy is a young person at risk. Because anytime you're not busy, you're either feeling down or lonely or bored. None of those are going to help you. That's exactly the moment that you're the Yetzirah is waiting for. Your children should be learning. They should be playing ball. They should be playing piano. They should be busy. They should not be alone doing nothing. That's our job as caring parents, grandparents, that we realize, wow, my son, my daughter, you know, the Yetzirah is waiting for them for a moment of weakness. So I have to be smarter than them and I have to make sure that I don't put them unnecessarily in positions or in places or with people that make them even more vulnerable than what naturally can happen to a person. So we're already smarter. We're smarter for ourselves and others, also for ourselves. Don't put yourself, don't be around the wrong people where you're going to be vulnerable. You know, sometimes you spend time with people who are so much more hashuv than you are, so you feel like a, like a rat next to them. So when you feel so small, anything they say, you're willing to jump in. You can't, you have no more opinion, you have no more comments. You, you basically gave up your free choice to those people. So don't be around those people. There's no mitzvah to be around people who are going to be above you to the point where you lose your opinion and your personality. So you put yourself with those people. You made a mistake by making yourself vulnerable. You went to the wrong place. You're talking to the wrong people. Of course, there's something pulling you, but you got to be smart. Don't put yourself in a place or in a position where you're going to be vulnerable. So that's one lesson. One thing to take home for our children and for ourselves. But let me tell you, no matter how much we try and we can make a difference in the first thing I just mentioned, but ultimately, life is going to bring those moments. Whether we like it or not, we're going to have those moments even if we didn't do anything wrong, even if we planned perfectly right and we put our children perfectly in the right place, ultimately, no matter who we are, we're going to have those moments. So I brought you a few examples just so you don't feel like you're alone when sometimes you feel like you just want to give up. I don't know if there's a greater example than Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is our icon of greatness. He is the greatest man that ever lived in every way. Yet when you open up Parashat Beha'alotecha, so the beginning of the Parashah here talks about how the people were complaining. 
they were complaining not to Moshe, they were complaining to God. They were complaining to Hashem for whatever they, they were complaining about. It says, Hashem heard, a fire came out in the desert, and it started burning certain groups. So they were making trouble with God. They started to get hurt. So they run to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe prays for them. And the fire went out. Right after comes the Pasuk and says, all of a sudden people come and they start crying to Moshe Rabbeinu. And they told Moshe Rabbeinu, we want meat. We have no meat. He just prayed for them. They were just getting wiped out. He prayed for them because they were complaining. Now, what was the reaction? Saudat Hoda'ah. Let's bring something Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's make him kibbeh. Let's make him lahamajin. Let's, let's go visit him for the holiday. No, no. The follow-up is, Moshe, we've had it over here. We need meat. Zacharnu. He says, we're, we're, we're remembering the good old days. The good old days in Egypt. Now here's a man who basically spent his last year, year and a half, fighting for them, standing up in front of Paro to save them from Egypt. What are they saying? We remember the good old days. The good old days? Could you imagine you took someone out of jail? He's been in jail for like 30 years, suffering in jail. And then one day, you don't have your breakfast out in time, like your son. 30 years sitting in jail. You grabbed him out of jail. One day you're late for breakfast. He says, you don't know, in jail, they were never late. In prison, we always had the meals like clockwork. Oh, I wish I was back in prison. You know, you know how you'd feel? You have any idea? 30 years, you're trying to get him out of jail. You're praying, you're crying. You did everything. You spent millions of dollars. And now you're late for breakfast and he wants to go back to jail. That's exactly Zacharnu et Adaga. We remembered the fish. Asher nochal be Mitzrayim that we ate in Egypt. Hinam. By the way, it was free. It was great. We didn't have to pay. Ah, you were slaves, by the way. That's why it was free. Et kishuim. Oh, the kishuim, the squash. Who can forget the squash of Egypt? Oh, the melons, those melons. They're dreaming of onions. Garlic. They can't, can't believe it. And now, look what you did for us. Moshe Rabbeinu. Look what you did to us. We feel like dry people. We have nothing. We have nothing. Look where you took us. We were, we were in, in Gan Eden over there. And now we got nothing. What do you think if you Moshe Rabbeinu? How do you feel? I, I, it, it, it's mind-boggling. Moshe Rabbeinu, look at the words. Nice to see this. Moshe He saw they were sitting around families. Like Lo'alenu, Shiv'awa, and they sit families and they cry. 
Each family was sitting together crying about this. Took it very hard. You can't blame him. Vayomer Moshe el Hashem. Moshe tells Hashem, Lama hare ota le avdecha. You can never imagine God would, that Moshe could say this. Why did you do bad to your servant? Talk about himself. Lama lo matzati hem be'enecha. Why have I not found favor in your eyes to put the weight of this nation on me? Did I give, was I pregnant with these people? Did I give birth to them? That you tell me carry them like a mother carries her child. Where am I getting meat from to give this nation that crying? Bottom line, he says to Hashem, I cannot alone carry this nation. I can't. Do you hear Moshe Rabbeinu, do you hear a man who can't believe what's going on? He took these people from slavery to becoming the great people of Israel. And they're saying, we remember the good old days. You're killing us. He tells Hashem. And if this is where it's going, kill me now. If I found favor in your eyes, kill me now. So I can't, I can't live like this. Nice to know that Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard day. It really is. It's nice to know. Next time you have a hard day, say, even Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard day. The Torah doesn't guarantee that you won't have hard days and that you won't have experiences that will drive you crazy and you cannot believe what you're listening to. The very people that you care for and sacrifice for might be the cause of your pain. This is going to happen in life. No matter how, you might, how much you plan and how much you try, it's going to happen. You're going to have very hard days with your children, with your grandchildren, with your friends, with whatever. You're going to have hard days. Look at, look at David Amelech in Perek Chavbet in Tehilim. I give you a few examples. He says, Eli, Eli, lama azavtani. Says David Amelech, Hashem, why'd you leave me? Rahok mishuati, I feel so far from my salvation. David Amelech had some hard days in his life. He didn't plan them, but they came anyway. Mimamakim keraticha, Hashem. I call you from the depth. In other words, he hit lows in his life. Nice to know that. Great people also had some very difficult days. If we make a mistake, to think that great people live life on a very smooth highway. The greatness, according to the Torah, is not that you have a problem-free life. It's that you rise despite, and in fact, maybe because of your issues. Those days, perhaps, will be the greatness, but it's not going to be so easy. You're not in the wrong place because something went wrong. You may just be exactly where you're supposed to be. And it's normal to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel frustrated. But notice, notice what Moshe Rabbeinu did when he was frustrated. You know, what would you have done in that situation? You go home and you say, that's it, I'm out. I can't. I, I quit. I retire. 
however you want to say it. You want me to quit? You want me to retire? You want me to resign? Which one do you want? You want me to get fired? Whatever you like. I am not doing this anymore. I'm done. And that's it. You go into your, into your apartment and don't come out for a few weeks. But guess what Moshe Rabbeinu does when he's frustrated? He doesn't allow it to sit. He goes and he talks to Hashem about it. Talks about it. He shares it. He tries to figure out what could be the solution. He doesn't allow it to sit and therefore allow this petach to bring some negativity. He's sharing with Hashem his feelings. He's not denying he's having a hard day, but he's also not reacting as, uh, as this is what I got to do. But I, Hashem, I have to talk to you. I have to share with you. Moshe Rabbeinu could have told the Jewish people all different kinds of comments or reacted in a certain way, but he didn't. He first spoke to Hashem. He didn't react in that time. And Baruch Hashem, the Torah teaches us how we're supposed to be handling ourselves during these difficult moments. And guess what? Hashem tells him, okay, I'm going to get the meat. Okay, I'm going to get you help. I'm going to get people with you. We solved it. When you have a difficult situation, look at the Gemara, Masechet Berachot. Gemara says, in Havush, a person in prison is not able to bring himself out of prison. Someone has to help him get out of prison. The Gemara is trying to express that sometimes in life, we feel Havush. We feel like we're in prison. We feel like the situation is overwhelming. Well, it's possible that you need someone to help you. Talk it out with somebody, but don't let it sit. Because when you let it sit, you're allowing a petah to open and it may be much bigger disaster than the one that you started. So great people have also these vulnerable moments. The wise person and the one who understands the risk of that moment and tries to talk it out with a great person. We don't have an audience with the creator of the world. Well, actually we do. It's called tefillah. Not sure if we see it that way. But we do have something called tefillah. And we can talk to Hashem. But also we can talk to great people in our lives. We have maybe a great mother, a great grandmother, we have a great rabbi, a great person in our lives that we can discuss our feelings with. There's nothing wrong with a person who's going through a difficult moment. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is if they allow it to stay and allow reactions based on that moment, making decisions, having conversations, talking in that moment with your spouse when you're feeling really angry, when you're feeling really hurt, dangerous. Talking to your children when you're really angry, dangerous. You have to know, dangerous moments are not a time to open up new conversations it's a time to figure out how to get out of these feelings. You don't want to be in those feelings when you're trying to talk to somebody. It will end up hurting you. So this tremendous, I can't tell you how awesome these words of the Havot Halilavot are. When he tells us, Yedidi, my dear friends, he says, be careful. The Yetzirah is not coming at you to destroy you. I mean, he is. But it never looks like that. Never.
It's waiting for the peta. La peta hatat rovet. He's waiting for your weak moment. If you let him in, you're opening up something very dangerous for your life and for your future. Every terrible, terrible marriage started with the peta. Every fight with brothers and sisters. They don't talk today. They don't even sit shiva with each other today. You'd say, come on, these people are so off. Forget about it. They're ridiculous. What? No, no. Go back. Look, they were best friends. They, they loved each other. You kidding? So what happened? Oh, ma- there was a difficult moment there. And look what he said. And look what happened. Oh, my goodness. And then the rest is history, as they say. You have to know disaster people, disaster relationships started with a peta that somebody didn't know how to close. You don't engage with a peta. You try to close it. Everybody is going to have it. Make sure you don't put yourself in it. That's your fault if you did. Or you put your loved ones in a peta. And when it comes, try to close it. Figure it out. Don't act while it's open. Because the Yetzirah is right there waiting for you to start opening that door. He just wants the peta. So he goes in and really finds destruction. Be'ezrat Hashem mitbarach. Hashem will be with us to see always to be aware of the petah before it happens. Amen.